I can no longer endure to view wondrous sight of so celestial hue. Welcome you to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri. And I'm Ryan Mazzocco. We take apart an episode of Andromeda and look at it for things that we liked, that we disliked, things that we learn about the Andromeda universe. This week, it's episode 61, Vault of the Heavens, the one where Dylan and crew find Antarian squatters in the Fortress of Solitude. That they do, sir. Yeah. One thing, Ryan... I do have a question about this episode, and okay. I don't mean to like just jump right into it, but here we go. Okay. I don't quite understand what Dylan and the girl at the end of the the episode were doing. I, I do you, are, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I, I don't. Here's I don't the get thing. it. I I get it. I'll help you out with this, okay? But first, I do need to say, while we do try to keep our show family friendly. Uh, and clean so our intent here is not to be vulgar or indecent um, so we do need to acknowledge the existence of sex now Uh-oh. so what we're doing here is you see ethan when a heavy worlder and a non-corporeal space nymph really love each other okay they... okay no 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 i'm not ready for this talk yet okay maybe when you're older yeah give me about 20 minutes okay how about we do trivia instead that sounds great okay Episode 61, Vault of the Heavens. This one was written by Gordon Michael Wolvitt. What? Yeah. It's the first of three episodes that he's going to write over the coming season. It's directed by Jorge Montesi, and this is his fifth director credit in the series since his first one way back in season two, Ouroboros. Hmm. We will be seeing his name a lot as we go forward into seasons four and five. Our guest actors for this episode... The Ymir, 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 yeah, Ymir. I think is how they were pronouncing it. The Ymir Queen is played by Helene Joy. She has extensive credits in Canadian television, among them The Outer Limits and The Twilight Zone. But she is best known for her role as Dr. Julia Ogden in the series Murdoch Mysteries. We also have Agio, and he's played by Alex Ponovich. He's a writer, producer, director, and working actor. He has extensive credits uh, in genre, including Stargate SG-1 and Atlantis, Eureka, Battlestar Galactica, Caprica, Smallville, Psych. He was Augustus in The 100, Julian DuPont in I, Zombie, Rollins in the show Continuum, and among his film roles, I found that he played Bernardo in Robert Hewitt Wolfe's 2010 made-for-television movie, Riverworld. And he played Winter, the Ape in 2017's War for the Planet of the Apes. And then we have a credit for the Alien Lieutenant, and this was played by Michelle Bobak. This is her first credited role in television or film, and she has gone on to act in a number of short films, and her voice has been featured in a number of video games, such as Deus Ex Human Revolution as Megan Reed, and in the PS4 exclusive Watch Dogs as the Police Dispatcher. She is currently involved in production of a new television series entitled Marissa Romanov, coming later in 2019. And one last thing I had by way of trivia, Ryan, and I brought it with me. Uh, You know the Andromeda cards Mm -hmm. that we got from friend of the show and actor Mm -hmm. Lisa Ryder? Yes. uh, Who plays Becca, Becca Valentine. Uh, The cards are from uh, 2004. And it's a set by the company Inkworks. And one of these cards has a character profile of the Queen of Wymere. Sure enough. And uh, it's listed, interestingly enough, as, you notice the actor name down there? Alex Pavonich. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Alex Pavonich. Well, uh, as I mentioned, he is in this episode. However, he is not the Queen of Wymere. (laughs) I see. So they have listed the wrong actor name. Uh, they got it in the right episode, 
but it's the wrong actor. So this is one of those error cards. This, this is an error card. So it is an error card. Highly valuable. I'll bet not. Take care of that one. <laughs> Take care of it. I've, I've got it right here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to slip that right over here for safekeeping. Uh, yeah, but I just wanted to point that out, that the Warmere Queen was not played by Alex Pavonich. It was Helene Joy. So the face of the queen that we have here on the card should have Helene Joy in the bottom right-hand corner of the card. So if you have the Inkwork set, anyone out there that's listening, uh, check that out. Set that aside. You have an error card. I bet she is mad. <laughs> uh, missing a credit there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I just wanted to point that out here in our trivia segment. Ryan? Yes. Do you have a summary for this episode? I do. How about a summary of the episode Vault of the Heavens? No problem. Strap in. You ready for this? Let's go. All right, here we go. Harper is left in charge for the night shift. He uses this time to race a Nietzschean ship. Dylan wakes up from the bumpy ride and soon starts hearing a woman's voice in his head, which beckons him to come to her. With the help of Rami, Dylan tracks down the small ice moon from where he presumes the messages are coming, and on they go to find out what is going on. They find that there is also a cloud of charged particles in orbit which collides with the moon every 800 years. This is going to happen again in the next 36 hours, presumably destroying all life on the moon. On the moon, Dylan, Becca, Harper, and Rami follow the voices until they find a group of some sort of corporeal energy being hybrids. They subdue the rest of the team, but have different plans for Dylan. They take him to the queen and tie him down. There she explains that she must procreate with him as the energy cloud passes by in order to ensure their species survival for the next 800 years. Dylan's all, yeah, that's cool and stuff, but not like this, and insists that she let him loose. Then they do it on a rock, and Dylan goes back to his ship, and now the frozen moon is populated by humans. The end. Wow. That was very succinct. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Very good. Well, how about some observations then? Sure. Okay. Harper's Afterburner. Mm Mm-hmm. Did that not sound something to you like maybe what they call IBS in the 50th century? <laughs> yeah. All that sparky cola is going to do it to you, though. <laughs> it's going to just burn a hole in your gut. Oh, yeah. And it just keeps right on go- going until it comes on out. Harper's afterburner. Um, so here's an observation, I guess. Okay. Um, so what's the deal with day and night when you're in space? Because Harper is on the night shift. And Dylan even complains. It's just a simple night shift, right? Nothing happens at night. Right. What's the night shift in space? Because there's dark outside. There's no up and down. There's no, (laughs) there's no, well, I guess there's left and right, but there's no, there's no up and down. There's no day or night. It's just, yeah. You know, it's just that time when Dylan can't be on the bridge. Okay. Or command deck. Sure. Well, what makes it so simple? I mean, you you have all these, you have all these (laughs) other aliens that are on their own times, right? I mean, what's in the middle of the night for Dylan you know, that's right after breakfast for whoever's coming after him. Literally, everyone is on Galactic's time. Oh, okay. Yeah, so everyone is on the same eight-hour workday. That's got to be it. Eight hours? I don't sure. buy that. No. Sure. One hour for lunch, four hours, one hour break, four hours. So if you're going to engage anyone at that time, that's when it has to be done. Okay. Otherwise, you have to shut down at night. Well, because you, you do... You can only cruise. You do have to have 30 minutes... For every six hours. So, right? Isn't that how it works? I'm not following you. A break. You have to have a oh, break. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I vote that we do a new Andromeda spinoff series. I think we should write this. All right. Okay. I'm in. It's Tell a, me about it. It's a sitcom based on the two characters we saw at the outset here. And we call it... I, I, I'm, I'm floating a couple of titles out here for you. Mm-hmm. Tell me which one you like better. Okay. Agio and Harper. Okay. Two spacefaring opposites and their misadventures. Okay. So Or or the other title, right? working title I'm thinking of here, The Fast and the Furious Cygnus Drift. Ooh. Catchy. Yeah, it's catchy, that is pretty it? good. Yeah, you like that's, that? That sounds more of a feature film, though, than a sitcom. Well, they like racing, so I figured it kind yeah. of fit. You could put it in that franchise, right. too. See, for the first one you said, what was that one again? Uh, Agio and Harper. Okay, here's what I see, is that you're watching a show on a network television right and then um all of a sudden you see the promo pop up in the bottom corner okay and it's harper 
and Agio standing with their backs toward each other, <laughs> looking annoyed at each other. I can right? see it. That's, I, to- I totally, that's totally yep. 80s sitcom. Uh-huh. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, let me ask you a question. During this whole race scene here, could Dylan care any less about what's going on on his ship right now? Harper uh, almost blew up the ship. He's like, well, oh, it's just a little turbulence. I'm just going to go back to sleep, right? Yeah. When was the last time tur- turbulence completely knocked you out of your chair in an airplane? Mm. Never? I'm trying to remember. No, no, I don't think so. If it had happened that way, mm-hmm. wouldn't you be concerned? I think so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, this is totally, what is Dylan thinking? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, and, well, it's the night shift, ex- so no one can possibly be attacking. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's just space turbulence, yeah, that's all. That's all. Uh, Rami even makes the comment, Some what, who was it that said something about waking up Dylan? And Rami says, um, he's probably already awake. Yeah. No, that was uh, that was Trance. She was on deck there. Uh-huh. Yeah, so she okay. breathed up. Yeah. Um, so my note here is, yeah, he is awake, but he's not really interested. He doesn't care. He, he literally, he is shaken awake from his sleep. He looks around, rolls back over, and goes back to sleep. He's I'm like, just thinking any other show that I've ever seen where they're in space. The captain, yep, report. Yeah. <laughs> Boop. What's going on up there? Yeah. Exactly. No, he reacts exactly as my 16-year-old son would mm-hmm. if, you know, an earthquake happened. Right. Yeah. Or me, you know. Yeah. 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 Now, if if a tornado <laughs> comes through town, it's happened. I'm, oh. not, I'm not proud of it. I, are you one of those people that's like, I am so inconvenienced right now? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Dylan says he loves democracy. Uh-huh. And, and during the... Uh, the staff meeting mm-hmm. where he's hearing voices in his head. Mm-hmm. So they're, yeah, yeah. We can talk about that a little bit later. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Uh, but he says he loves democracy, but he doesn't like playing by its rules. Does he? <laughs> no, not really. No. Yeah. Okay. Just a quick observation. I had. Yeah, there. no, I, I had the same thought. Um, uh, my thought is since when is this a democracy? <laughs> yeah. He's the captain. Yes. There's a hierarchy. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's definite, right? We don't, we don't have any questions about who's in charge here. If someone were watching this particular situation play out and mm-hmm. thought, oh, that's what democracy is. Well, the, whatever society bases uh, their rule off of that, it's a dictatorship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because doesn't he just completely override everyone else's opinion? Or uh, he strong arms, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about the technology just a little bit. Well, is this what we've learned about our universe? Or is this... Go ahead. No. Okay. No, this isn't. <laughs> no, right. I'm not even going to pretend. Nope. So, when Dylan is down on the surface and they get communications uh, back up and running and they're talking to him, right? This is a this is an audio communication. They're talking to each other. Well, then all of a sudden, you see in the background a video of Dylan. Yes. Talking. Yes. Where is this camera? Because all that's in front of him is a wall of ice. Yes. So where is this camera that that's pointing back at him? And then later, just a few shots later, um, we see Agio. Mm-hmm. He's there, right there in the video. Yeah. yeah. Again. Where? Where is this camera? Yeah, I, I'm listening for the drone buzz. Mm-hmm. I'm not hearing a drone. No. <laughs> that's the only explanation I could think of, and no, I'm not hearing it. I'm beginning to think that Tears answer for every situation is improvise. Don't you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe that's something we learned about Tear. Yeah. We or something we already knew about Tear. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that we've seen him improvise quite to this degree. Usually you put a pin in that. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> We're gonna come back to that. All right. Going back to your trivia, you did mention that Gordon Michael Wolvet is the one who wrote this episode. Yes, I did. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, because we see that Harper finally gets to go on an away mission. <laughs> Is this the first time? No, nah, it's not the first time, but it's, it's the very been a while. first time. But usually he's always whining about, why can't I ever go on an yeah. away mission? Which yeah. at least he stayed true to his character, because he was still whiny. He was. Yeah. He was. He was also very, very crude. Yeah. Many times. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, while they're down there, we get another reference that we've had before. You remember, Ryan, way back in season one, we got an all Greek to me reference? Yeah. You remember that? Mm-hmm. We laughed, didn't we? Good times. Yeah, did we? Good old T 
pure belly laugh out of us, I do believe, mm-hmm. from what I remember. Um, we got it again in this episode, didn't we? We sure did. Did it resonate yeah. as well with you? Uh, you know, it, the landing was a little bit of a miss yeah, for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have a headache from the eye roll. Oh. <laughs> from the eyes rolling back in my head, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't didn't quite resonate with me as well here. We've yeah. heard this one before. Yeah, and um, we got it again. I from kind the, of from Harper. I remember thinking that uh, that must have been a really painful line for Kevin Sorbo to have to deliver. <laughs> I, I I felt for him. Yeah, you know, sometimes the actors are given things. Wait, and wasn't they don't have any? It wasn't Harper that gave it. It was. You're right. It was Dylan that said it. Well, it was. Uh, it was a sort of a bump set spike situation there mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so but yeah it was it was dylan who actually had the line it, yeah mm-hmm. you're right hey i have a question about um people in the future you know because i know that uh i am and i know for sure that you are very interested in celestial from a phenomenon right yes i am okay um, things are happening out in space. If it's observable to us, I know you're all over it. Yeah. I'm all over it. There just uh, so happens to be a conjunction of the moon and Jupiter this evening that I wish I'd gotten my telescope out for. Oh, yeah. Anyway, side point. Keep on going. But that's exactly what I'm saying, right? You, these things are predictable. Yeah. You know they're going to happen. You go out of your way to try to see them, right? I, I take a day off of work and drive three hours so I can go see the, the totality. Yeah. Right. Eclipse. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, apparently nobody in the whole universe cares about this phenomenon that only happens once every 800 <laughs> years. Yeah. And it's documented. Yeah. Becca checks it out and she, she researches it and she finds out, oh, this is what happens here because it has been observed. I just think it's strange that when they show up, they're the only ones there. No one else is yeah. bothered. I mean, other than the other Nietzschean ship, but he's not there for this. No. Yeah. He's after something else. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that speaks to the the level of interest in the galaxies right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a dark time. You know, people just aren't as interested as they should be. Yeah, I would still think there would be teams of scientists. You would think there would be some Perseids out there. Mm-hmm. You know. Definitely. From, uh, what was the university? Uh, University of, uh, oh, we've talked about it before, and I can't remember what it is now. Uh, I don't know. I'm totally blanking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you would think that they would show up. Right. Good joke, though. (laughs) (laughs) Neither one of us can remember the punchline, Uh but that was a good joke. (laughs) Hey, could, uh, could Rami always escape? Hmm. You know, I think it was a uh, sort of a Borg thing. She had to adapt. Is that it? It wasn't at first, because the first time it definitely got her. Okay. And then yeah. she's stuck in the thing. She has to analyze this for a little bit, and then she makes her adaptations. Because then she breaks out of it, and then they do the whole eye laser beam thing again. And she's, she's like, oh, like, please, yeah. I get this beat. Right. Yeah, she's, so she's right. adapted. Yeah, she's like, I've seen this trick once before. Okay. <laughs> I'm not impressed anymore. Okay, I, I suppose. It just seemed like it was awful easy for plot's sake for her to just go ahead and just rip everything off and Mm -hmm. then walk through these space nymphs like tissue paper Mm -hmm. so yeah anyway or cocoon people whatever you want to call them yeah okay well let's move on then ryan what do we learn about the andromeda universe in this episode vault of the heavens so one thing that i feel like we learn about the universe is wymir or uh, what was the what was the neighboring planet? Wymir was the moon that orbited uh, Burian. Yeah, Burian. I think was the name of the planet. So we have this cycle of birth, life, sleep, rebirth, which I thought was was kind of interesting. As as far as uh, these alien beings that what they cycle every eight hundred years mm-hmm. with the the nova or the aurora, whatever it was, mm-hmm. pretty. Pretty cool. I, I love the concept that they were that they were playing with here. And then the cloud being destroyed kind of throws the wrench in everything. And oh, oh no, you know, are these people going to be able to come back to life? I found it was interesting that they would be resurrected by the disintegration of the Nietzschean ship. I I've, I found that kind of meta. 
if you follow what I'm saying, mm-hmm. out of the death of the Nietzschean vessel and the disintegration of it, mm-hmm. and I, I would guess all the crew aboard, Right. you have now a planet in Burien that's teeming with life and good, mm-hmm. you know, humans. <laughs> right. So Well, and the thing is that that new cloud was sparked by gamma rays, so you know that they're all going to be hulks now. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. Yeah. You are absolutely correct. I hope they can put a lid on their uh, aggression. Oh, yeah. That's going to be their undoing. Because if they get off that planet, yeah, the rest of the galaxies better look out because mm-hmm. they'll be taken over. Right. <laughs> but no, I thought it was interesting, that just the kind of the, the birth out of death. I thought that was kind of a neat concept and it, an interesting race. How this queen kind of plays into it, I would like to have gotten more of a backstory as to how she got that position. Her and her minions that are with her on that planet. I, I, I still don't see how they relate in that whole circle of life other than that she gives them that life and that's why she's there. But I kind of would like to have heard a little bit more about the temple, you know, the vault and a little bit more of the mythology. I would like to have seen that kind of brought out of mythological and, you know, give us a little bit more of a solid backstory. Yeah. But still, I thought it was a cool concept. Uh, I still had a lot of questions about the nature of these beings because we're kind of throwing around a lot of terms non-corporeal uh, were they non-corporeal because yeah, we it, don't really it, know that's why i am i said kind of hybrids because it seems like they can go back and forth sometimes they're just energy beings and then sometimes they're flesh flesh yeah exactly yeah um interestingly not flesh the times you would think that you would want them to be flesh <laughs> okay just acknowledging the existence so yeah but um i mean yeah because what are they they if she is able to take her energy and merge that with whatever other alien species energy that she is is with and then somehow that transfers to all the others that are there what were the beings before this last 800 year cycle were they energy beings and that's why they are the way they are uh because harper says they're all humans down there now yeah okay so they're humans in the sense that they they look like humans i guess do they still have this ability to transfer themselves into this glowing that is what i wanted more of is Mm -hmm. is what is the history of these people how have they lived before Mm -hmm. And, and then do they know what they're getting? Right. Is, is it just they take on whatever form of whatever spacefaring creature happens to come in at the time when the queen needs to mate? Mm-hmm. And I guess it's time to have that discussion. I guess I'm old enough now. It's, okay. It's been about 20 minutes. All right. Uh, so what is it uh, uh, from Dylan that... You're looking at me like, are you going there? No. And and I'm asking, I am, I'm asking the question because he was fully clothed. Mm -hmm. Contrary to the start of the episode, I understand how sex works. Okay. So, you know, we don't have to have that discussion. You have a child. I do have a child. Mm -hmm. Yes. I understand how he came about. Mm -hmm. I see this episode and I understand it's, it's television and, and there's certain boundaries you can't cross. However, fully clothed does not work at least with human beings. And that's what we saw. So is it, is it an, uh, uh, um, a, a, a non-physical transference from Dylan of some sort that she's able to, to gather. And then that's what creates humans. <laughs> no, that you're right. And that's what is so weird about yeah, this confusing. whole thing. It's confusing. Yeah, it is, because you think, okay, so she is somehow collecting genetic material. Right. Well, how did she do that? I mean, okay, let's be honest. The scene where we see where the stuff is, is happening... Is it, awkward. It, Yeah. <laughs> it It is. Uh, for some reason, Dylan just always looks awkward in these situations. But you're, you are definitely given the impression that this is these are two people that are having sex on a rock right yes okay and then she does her 
transference. Yeah, and she's gone. Is. Yeah, and then that's all you have is just Dylan fully clothed laying on the rock. Yeah. So, you know, it. I don't. I have to ask the question. Do you think he's wondering after all of that? Was it good? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she just left. She's just gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that's got to be a little awkward. I think I know why the whole thing was so awkward for Dylan. Is because I think Dylan is having the same questions that we're having. Quite possibly. What just happened? Exactly. Yeah. Because no, I, that, you're right. whatever it was that she did is not done in a way that Dylan is used to. Exactly. So she does whatever she needs to do. She gets whatever she needs to get. He never even got to take his pants off. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that was part of the conversation leading up to that. He was like, well, I mean, I know how I do it, but, right, you know, um, and then we're still left with. So does is her energy, whatever she is, is she able to just reach into him at the at the cellular level? Yeah. And just we're transport. We're not talking about genetic material in the sense of of a traditional sexual reproduction. Exactly. She yeah. is just reaching into him at the cellular level and just pulling that genetic information out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like a like a really really detailed scan. Yeah. Basically. Right. And then so the rest of everything that happened on the rock that was just for show. It was to let us know what was happening. Procreation is happening here. Okay. I she could have easily just have like, like put a, a beam of light into his chest. We're doing the E.T. Elliot, yes. right here. Elliot, ding, yep. there it is. Yep. That's all it would have taken. I think that would have been less confusing than what we actually got on the screen. I can't believe I just did that with you. <laughs> uh, neither one of our fingers glowed, though. That's disappointing. Oh. Okay. All right, so we've had that discussion. Okay. I th- I think we've arrived at a at a conclusion of sorts. You you're done? I'm done. Was it, it good? Yeah. Okay. I I'm good here. Okay. Let's move on to characters. You got you got I've got a character observation. You said you had a character observation as well. Um You want to go first? Well, I guess a, an observation about Dylan. Um I never saw Dylan as being a deadbeat dad. I thought he would always take care of his responsibilities. He has a planet full of his kids. Yeah. And he just goes And he's like, off. it's a miracle. Set course. Yeah. <laughs> Out there. Out there. That away. That away. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh, that's interesting. It's about what I had written down here. Yeah. Too. You know, and and I kind of went back and forth of, as far as whether I should put that in the, the, the joking observations. Um, but I do wonder, why did they not go back down there? To see the civilization that they created. Yeah, spend some time there uh-huh. and figure it out. Which, I, I mean, I suppose they could have, but we did not get an indication that that was what their intent was. Right. The intent at the end of it is, well, that was a heck of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Flying on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about Tyr for just a little bit, because okay. you, you, you brought up his bones. We're going to get to that in a second. I wanted to come uh, back around to... Tyr said, we're going to improvise, and then we saw him improvise. Mm-hmm. Does Tyr strike you as the engineering type? No. At all? No. <laughs> Not at all. And see, this is the problem. Um, I think that I think that Gordon Michael Wolvett wanted to show everybody how much better of an engineer he is. Well, yeah. And, and also kind of prove to everyone why he shouldn't be going on away missions. I think the point was... Well presented. Yeah, I don't know if that was made. his intent, but it's what that happened. definitely came across. Yeah. So when when Harper goes away, bad things happen on the ship yeah. because Tyr should not be left to that kind of stuff. At the very least, the question that I have was, you know, the, the last episode we had, what was the term that we used for the ship? Um, Filthy with crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why couldn't Tyr order one of the myriad of crew members? Mm-hmm. Some of them have to be engineers. Or at least work in the engine room. Why couldn't he just order one of them to go do it? Well, did you not notice they were all off this week? That's true. Mm-hmm. There was no one else on the ship besides Tyr and Hologram Rami. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay, point. Um, 
I just, man. And this brings up another thing that we learn about Andromeda as a ship. Apparently, all you have to do is break a pane of glass, pull on the green wire, and no shields. Yeah. At all. Mm-hmm. So, seems like a little bit of a a flaw that might need to be addressed. Um, I would expect there to be some more redundancies. Yeah. Um, they're always calling for switch auxiliary power, right? That has to go from somewhere. Yeah. It doesn't all just go through the same tube, does it? I wouldn't think so. Okay. So, yeah, that's uh, that's going to need to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harper's got some work to do when he gets back to the ship. Yeah, he's got to put that one tube back together. That's right. <laughs> and you might want to think about running another one in a different part of the ship, maybe. Uh, just a little redundancy there. I don't think so. Eh, that's okay. too much. Okay. Too much work. The bones of Drago Museveni. Yeah. Those have come back into play, haven't they? Uh, um, it seems they have, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? I thought it was interesting that we kind of have this subplot um, that we have seen since the first season that we haven't heard a lot about this in quite a while now. Yeah. And so we've, in recent episodes, we have remembered the Magog and the world ship. We've remembered the Abyss. And now suddenly we re- we are remembering that we are holding on the Andromeda the remains of the great Drago Museveni. Yeah. My big question about this whole thing, though, is we were to understand up until this point that Tyr had stolen these bones. It's possible that some people suspected, but for the most part, yeah, they were just kind of gone. They were stolen. Yeah. Uh, now it seems pretty evident that from from what Agio is saying, everybody knows where these are. <laughs> everyone knows that Tyr took them. And everyone wants Tyr to hand them over so that these fractured groups of Nietzscheans can use them to rally and band together. And can we talk about that for just a second? Okay. I thought that was some interesting world building as far as the Nietzschean culture. Yeah. And that Kodiak pride isn't the only pride that's been shattered Mm -hmm. and is broken up and is, you know, a a lesser or, or almost extinct pride. And it sounds like Agio is is part of the same type of group, or could be classified as the same type of group as Kodiak. They're not strong. They've mm-hmm. been broken. They've been beaten down. But there's a coalition of them that, with the bones of Drago Museveni, which we know you have, Tyr, mm-hmm. you know, as as he th- threatens and and says there at the end, uh, with that behind this coalition of broken prides, we can we can break all the other you know, dominant prides. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is kind of a cool plot point that they're, they're bringing out here. I, mm-hmm. I appreciated it actually. It's uh it's showing me that the diversity within the Nietzschean culture, it really is diverse. And, and you can't just go around stomping mud holes in other prides and not expect some retaliation. Mm-hmm. And we see it building now. Right. And we see it. They, even with all of their difference, all of their differences, they still have at least two things in common. They all are waiting for the genetic reincarnation of Drago Museveni. Mm-hmm. Which we to, still remain. To compare against those bones. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's why they're so important that they're missing. And they also all share their hatred for the Drago cats off. Yeah. They do. So. So what I'm wondering is if, if you're right. If 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 what Agio says is correct, they all know Tyr has it. It they all know it's on Andromeda. Why isn't the entire Nietzschean fleet going after Andromeda? Yeah, <laughs> that's my note. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So so we're on the same. Yeah. On the same page. And that's what I want to know. Okay. Um, it seems like at a time, I'm trying if I can remember this correctly, when when Tyr first brought them on board. Dylan figured out what was going on, and they both agreed that the Andromeda is the toughest ship in the universe. It's the safest place for them. Um, I'm not really sure that's so much the case right now. No. No, I would think that the combined Nietzschean fleet might be enough. Well, think about this one Nietzschean ship with the gamma ray pulse on it. Yeah. What if that had actually been a manned ship? Of course, Andromeda took it down pretty easy. 
after they figured out that there was no one on board. Oh, that's right. If they're because they yeah. fig- they finally figured out the pattern of what was going on because yeah. it was being controlled by an AI yeah. or not even an AI. It was just being controlled by a, a program. Yeah, there was an app running this thing, <laughs> and so they were finally able to figure out what the pattern was, and that's how they got it. True, but had this actually been run by an intelligent being behind the wheel and behind the gun, you know, it's. There been a lot more difficult. There for a while, Andromeda was kind of helpless. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I it it stands to reason that if the Nietzscheans get uh, motivated enough mm-hmm. and 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 cohesive enough, they could take those bones back if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. This could be interesting to see going forward. You know what? Just a couple of more things, real quick here to wrap up this segment um, about. Going back to this this species on this planet, um, and the queen and whoever, whatever we call these people. So, the way that the queen tries to subdue Dylan in a very forceful manner, right? Um, her comment is that she can't take the chance, right? She she has to do this the way that she's doing it. It's the way she's always done this because, you know, what if you get away and then we all die. My question is, she had 800 years to get a date. Why does she wait until less than two days before the thing's going to happen, before she starts putting out these, this signal and starts looking for somebody? Yeah. This is, this is a remote part of space. What if there was nobody around? Then they're, they're hosed. What are they going to do? The only thing I've got is you get an assignment. Mm-hmm. Do you do it right away? Oh no, no! You, you wait till when? Mm, less than thirty-six hours before it's due. Yeah. Okay. So you know, the Warmerian Queen, she's mm-hmm. she's a procrastinator. Okay. That's what it comes down. Well, what does she do in this whole time? I mean, what is there to do Sleeping. on this place? Sleep. That, that's she's it? in her cocoon. Well, then why are they so interested in staying alive? If all they're going to do is sleep. <laughs> well, it's, it, they're not interested in staying alive. It's the people on uh, the the other planet. That they're going to give life to. That's the ones that are interested in living. They're just down there in their cocoons waiting to be have life bestowed on them for another 800 years. Hold on, hold on. So you're saying that the queen is not part of the people that yeah, they no, are that... recreating life for? I thought she and all the other glowing people were the ones who die when this thing comes in, and then whoever they mate with, like re-energizes that life back into No, because you, you, you saw in the transference when she disappears off of Dylan. Yeah. All of that nebulous energy, whatever it is, goes from Ymir, the moon, and transfers down to, what was the name of the planet again? I've already forgotten it the name It was a fiery planet, though, wasn't it? Burian. No, it, it goes down to it, and then it goes into the caverns where all those cocoons are at. And it in, it transfers life to all of that population that's on Burian. So then the queen and her glowy people were never in any danger. I don't think so. No. She's just that concerned about all the other people on the planet. She's a caretaker. They... Yeah. You d- you didn't get that impression. I'm, I'm no. looking at you and you're, you're looking at me. No, like, this is brand new information oh, okay. to me. Well, anyway, that's how I took it. That's, okay. what I was, that's what I was seeing. Huh. Well, shame on me. <laughs> all right. I guess. <laughs> You might need to watch this episode again. Okay, well then, that leaves like three other things here then for me to not say, (laughs) because they're totally (laughs) moot now. Okay. All right. All right, well. Um, Although, there's one thing I would like to, I want to handle this with little kid gloves. Okay. Because this is a delicate topic, especially in this day and age as we're becoming more and more aware and more sensitive to these things. Can I do an end around and cut you off? Yeah. It was rape. That she suggested. Okay. Are, All right. Is that what we were getting at? Yeah. Okay. Because I wanted, I, I didn't know if we were going to have that discussion or not. Sure. I mean, I mean. <laughs> I, I can't afford to wait or I can't afford for you to tell me no. Mm-hmm. That's right. Right. But it's, it's one of these things that it's, it's not as big of a deal because it's Dylan. What if this is Becca? Oh, yeah. You reverse these roles with the genders, and mm-hmm. it's, oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, As it this, should be. This episode would be struck from the record mm-hmm. <laughs> in this day and age. Right. But yeah, I mean, um, you're right. You're right. It, we we totally give it a pass because it's Dylan, mm-hmm. you know, and and he can he can handle whatever's thrown at him. That's what he's there for. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was this kind of unsettled me a little bit. You know, the whole scene and everything with its awkwardness. Okay, it is you know air quotes consenting in the end, but it it is rape she's suggesting earlier on, and Dylan has to talk her back from that ledge. Look, you can either do this and your people are going to live with the shame of the injustice that you're going to do to me, or you can wait and we can do this the right way uh, and and it'll be better for everybody in the end. But she's not willing, at least not immediately, to do that. That's rape. Mm -hmm. And then when Agio comes into the room, oh, it's not going to be you. It's going to be me. So now the tables are turned. Now... It's rape on his part because she doesn't want him, mm-hmm. but he's willing to force it to happen. Right. So, yeah, this this whole scenario is really messed up mm-hmm. as far as, you know, consensual reproduction. All right. Yeah, I'm with you. I have nothing else to say. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So if that's the case, then um, we, we've covered all the uh, the touchy subjects, right? I think we've exhausted that. <laughs> I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted as Dylan's well. Dylan's exhausted. I don't know why. He didn't do anything. Harper's not. Oh, boy. Now, he took his creep to a whole new level. He did for this one, but yeah. we've already kind of touched on that just a little bit. I think you have a quote for us, don't you? I do. Let's go. Let's let's go that direction. I can no longer endure to view wondrous sight of so celestial who. Who? 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 Hugh. Hugh. That's yeah. who. A wondrous sight of so celestial hue. That's the final diary entry of Captain Oswald Pierce, Commonwealth Year 1116, regarding his only love. If I may. Please. This episode's got it all. Sex, rape, violence, suicide. Because that's what Captain... What was his name again? Uh, Captain Benjamin Pierce. Benjamin Pierce. That's what he's done. No, that was from... uh, Mash. Mash. <laughs> Oswald Pierce. Oswald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's what he's gone and done. Uh, he can't stand. Uh, what? what uh, how was it? I can no longer endure to view. Um. So apparently his only love is space, and and maybe he's had to give it up, or 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 his ship's dead in the water, or whatever the case is. But it sounds like he's about to off himself because he just can't stand it anymore. Is that what you think? That's what it sounds like to me. That's okay. how I took this. Okay. You? Um, I tried really hard to care. <laughs> and I just can't. Okay. Yeah. I have got nothing on this. Um, it. You you have found so much more in this quote than I did. But it, it absolutely does not relate to anything in the episode that we've got. No, because this is, whatever it is, this is about love. Yes. And what we had in this episode is not love. You're absolutely correct. I yeah. mean, what's love got to do with it? Absolutely nothing. Right. Wait, I just combined war with okay love. I mean, <laughs> they're they're kind of the same sometimes. Yeah, all's good in love and war. That's right. Um. Yeah. No. I. This is just something that somebody. You know what? Came that would have with. been a better quote <laughs> yeah. than what we got at the beginning of this episode. War. What is it good for? Well, yeah, or all's good in love and war. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 You know, that was actually um, the original title for War and Peace. Was it? Yes. Okay. War, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. It's a Seinfeld reference for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway. Uh, um, that that discussion was more interesting than the opening quote for this episode. Can we can we just agree on that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All absolutely. right, very good. Well, in that case, let's move on. Ryan, okay. the vault of the heavens. Okay. Or Vault of the Heavens. What did you vault think of the heavens of our episode here? Um, you know, I mean it was it was rich with uh Greek mythology. It was rich with um suggestions of rape. Um let's see. I'm having a hard time with this one, honestly. Um 
I saw when I was watching it. I did because I, I I remember this episode vividly. Um, how could you How could you not remember this? No, episode? it's just one of those you can't unsee it. It's yeah. and and so when I was watching it through this time, and I saw the credit roll that this one was written by Gordon Michael Wolvett. I started thinking of this from from that lens of of viewing it through him writing it. And I got to say, you know, there were a lot of things that I'm thinking, okay, so here are maybe some some different things that he would like to see Harper doing. Like he would like to see Harper get to go on an away mission. He would like to see Tyr almost destroy the Andromeda trying to do his job because no one else is as smart as he is. Um, He would like to see Harper just be a total perv. Oh, wait, we get that all the time. I was going to say, that's that's pretty much par for the course. But not to this level. Yeah, this was... He he cranked it to 11. He really did. Yeah. He he wanted to watch. Uh, How did he not get slapped in that moment? It looked like Trance and Becca could have slapped him. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't understand why that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, and and that's kind of what bothers me about it, is that he wrote that for his yeah. character to say. Now, I say that, but maybe not. Because, you know, these things are written, there is the one person who writes it, right? But then these things, there's rewrites all the time that the writer has no control over. Uh, I kind of think that a lot of this has happened in this episode anyway, because when you have the whole backstory coming, or not the backstory, but the story coming back about Drago's bones and this whole idea of this coalition of of prides wanting to band together. And I think that's, I think that's bigger. I think that's showrunners that are putting that in there. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think that's what's going on. Um, as far as the main story, though, what we have here, these aliens who are seeking out other aliens in order to merge their energies is kind of what I'm getting in, in order to to facilitate this, this continuing of life. Um, I think it's a really cool concept. And I think there's a lot that you can do with that. And I think that they actually were doing a pretty decent job for a really long time until the weird scene. And I just cannot get over it. I'm not being prudish here. It's not anything like that. I just, it was weird and awkward. And that stuck with me for years. Because it's been years since the first time I saw this episode. And it's just... I knew that this one was coming, and I think that it's been... This is why it's been such a long time since we've been able to get back behind the mics again. This uh, summary was my second draft. (laughs) Because my first one was even shorter than this one. Okay. Um, My first one was going to say, basically, Dylan goes to a planet, has sex with an energy being on a rock. The end. That's a little too short. It was a little bit, yeah. I don't know. I I don't know where to go with it. Well, I know where to I don't I don't know. I'm not comfortable with this episode and it it makes me cringe. I just don't like it. There are things about it that kind of remind me a little bit about you remember the old TOS episode Metamorphosis with Zephyrin Cochran stranded on yes. the planet yes. with the I do energy that. being, right? Yep. They fall in love. Yeah. And it takes the form of human becomes mortal. Yeah. For him. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful story. Very touching Really story. good episode. And this kind of had certain things. It, it was reminiscent of that, but way off base. I did not get that feel-good feeling from this at all. You know what? I, whether Dylan actually goes ahead and consents at the end, to me, it's it's still, it's rape by ultimatum. Okay. I'm either we're either going to do this with you tied down or I'm going to untie you, but you have to promise that we're still going to do this. Yeah. Is does that change anything other not, than not the fact lot. that he he can go get on his ship if he wants? Yeah. But if he turns to go get in on get on his ship, then is she just going to tie him down again? We didn't get to find out. No, we didn't. And that's good. 
Yeah. Um, a lot of interesting stuff here. A lot of fun things to play with and a lot of um, fun backstories and some of the world building that we could have with this race and what it is that they're involved in. Um, what's their role in all of this? We didn't get any of that. Instead, we got a creep show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Don't like it. Okay. Yep. Wow. You came down pretty strongly on that. Well, here's how I saw it. Okay. <clears throat> Look, the plot was interesting. Exactly what you talked about. These creatures and what they were playing, the the concepts that they were playing around with, I really liked. And it's fantastic that you brought up Metamorphosis from TOS. I had not realized that that's what I was getting a sense of, but that's it. You 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 hit the nail on the head with that. That's cool. It's been a while since we've had an episode that had a really strong sci-fi type uh, premise to, to build the episode, to carry the episode forward, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was really cool. So the plot was interesting. They kind of do this Indiana Jones thing, and they've done it in past episodes, and I've liked it back then, and I kind of liked it now. I like the concept of the, the vault of the heavens and the mythology of it and this weird back back world out of the way place and these neat things that they're finding here. Uh, that was pretty cool. The sets were decent. Uh, the costumes, yeah, you know, the, the, the queen's neckline, I, yeah. I, I I'm assuming that was supposed to be like all one piece, right? Mm-hmm. But the leotard, the bodysuit was too loose around her neck. And so, it, you know, those gaps and everything and well, i was wondering if, the, if that was that were those supposed to be like veins in her skin yeah that's what i was wondering mm-hmm. too but in the end all i could see was the gap right you know and it, was, it just didn't seem like it was very well put together i it couldn't detracted. get past the haircut the, the haircut was bad mm-hmm. yeah yeah you're right you're right which i so, mean who's cutting their hair on this planet anyway <laughs> why what's yeah. the point yeah so there was some weird design choices as far as the costuming went uh, the 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 cg work was acceptable you know, not the best effort, but it was okay. It, it to me, it got the point across. Um, obviously, you didn't see the same thing that I saw, um, or didn't interpret it the same way I well, did. Well, most of the time, I specifically remember one shot that was really bad, and that was when they were first going down to the frozen moon. Yeah, yeah. There, there was, like I said, there was a couple that were pretty mm-hmm. rough, but for the most part, it got the job done. I thought. Yeah, those were the freshmen that did that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel you there. Um, and then we get to the end of the episode and all of these things that I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm digging this. And then we get to the love scene there at the end and it is awkward and it's confusing and yeah, it it almost completely ruins the episode for me. Mm -hmm. And then when it's all said and done, Dylan and Harper are standing there on the command deck at the end, reminiscing and reflecting on what they've just gone through this ordeal. And I want to, I want to ask you this question. Uh, Dylan says it's a miracle. And so they're trying to explain a miracle, uh, with a scientific explanation. That's typically what we get in sci-fi, right? Mm -hmm. But Dylan's like, no, it's just a miracle. When you try to explain it scientifically, it ruins it. And I'm thinking, is that really kind of the message that we want to be left with in a sci-fi television show? Yes, that is why, to this day, I refuse to look up any information about how babies are formed. (laughs) Okay. Yep, because if I know scientifically, then that ruins everything. It's not a miracle anymore, is it? No, I don't want to know about about cells dividing. Nope, Mm -mm. didn't hear any of that. Yeah. No, so you're with me. Yeah. It, it's just kind of, it. this episode falls completely flat. Right. Especially in the last eight minutes of it. Well, that's, a th- Harper, that's exactly what he just did, is they're, they're saying, how did all of this happen? And Harper says, well, this is exactly how it happened. Yeah. I didn't know it could happen that way, but this is what happened. Yeah. No, 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 I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. It's a miracle. It's beautiful. Yeah. This is something beautiful that I did. Those are those are my kids down there that I'm not going yeah, to. Yeah, so there, there's meet. a there's a conceit there, or, and there's a a message there that I'm not comfortable yeah. with. And then it, I, I will say this: there is a lesson in there when Dylan explains to the space nymph, the queen, 
that she has a determination to make. Mm-hmm. She can do this a bad way, or they can do it consensually and it be a good thing for the offspring. That's a halfway decent message, but it still comes down to the fact that she was willing to rape Dylan. Mm-hmm. And that's not a good message at all. And then the fact that Dylan is just kind of okay with going along with it at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this episode makes some weird choices that I don't feel like... It may be in 2003 or 2003 when this was filmed. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe they didn't really think about that. But I think if you make this episode now, you got to think about that. Well, and 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 it wouldn't be made that way. But that's the thing is that it's a guy. And that's what changes everything because it's it's a guy. No, but but if come back to the TOS episode, Metamorphosis. Yeah. Kind of the same scenario. Kind of the same scenario, but way more tastefully done. And this is not as tastefully done. Well, the difference in Metamorphosis was that this energy being was just there as a companion, just to keep him company and to keep him alive. Dr. Cochran fell in love. True. And so the energy being sacrificed its immortality to be with him. Yeah. Um, that's not what's going on in here at all. This is this is completely selfish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I kind of got sidetracked there a little bit, but but that's is going back to our point: is that what if this was Becca, and what if this this alien race was being presented as a bunch of males? Totally different situation. Yeah. You do not write Becca saying, absolutely not. You have to let me go. You cannot do this to me against my will. Okay, now that you've let me go, I'm willing. Yeah. No, that yeah, doesn't, it happen. doesn't happen that way. You don't, you, it's not believable. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. So why is it okay with Dylan? Yeah. It's not. Well, because. But it, he's a dude. Yeah. It's the double standard. Yeah. It is the double standard that's right. front and center. Meanwhile, you've got at least three other dudes in this that would be, totally be willing. Yeah. You have Agio, who said he was willing. you got Harper, you know he would be. Um, Tyr, you got to think, Dylan kind of made a selfish move on his part because he would have been like, you know what? This isn't really my thing, but there's a guy on my ship. This is totally his jam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The the idea of of his his progeny being just filling an entire planet for 800 years to come. Absolutely. He's on board. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the, it, okay. So are we saying that this episode has some interesting concepts? It, it's it's put together halfway decent, but in the end it's skeevy. Oh yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So and, we're agreed. Yeah, that's the thing is that there are things here that they potentially are building a very interesting episode of sci-fi yeah but then there are there is just so they drive it off the rails it's it's bad and you can't save it i can't forgive it anymore it's just it's bad because of what they do at the end okay yeah i'm in i'm in agreement with you all right but i will ask this question okay okay what do our listeners think Ooh. Ooh, wouldn't it be interesting to see something? I would like to know. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, He has posed the question. I have. And Ethan, if somebody wanted to get a hold of us and let us know how they feel about this episode or anything else we've done in the past, maybe even some ideas for uh, for future episodes, too, that we have not done yet, how might one get a hold of us? They could send an email. They could do so by sending that email to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. They can also get a hold of us and follow what we're doing on our social media pages on Facebook and on Twitter. We are at AndromedaPod on both of those sites. Uh, Our home is on Podbean. That's AndromedaSeries.Podbean.com where we do have a tip jar. We're not asking. We're just letting you know. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure and leave us some stars and a review. It helps us out and helps uh, the show get found. So we certainly appreciate that. And and you can find us on Player FM as well. 
That's right, I forget about that one. I need to update this whole thing because it still says iTunes. Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for lending us his voice once again for the beginning of this episode. Always good to have him on. We are an Age of Geek production. Check them out, ageofgeek.podbean.com. And we sincerely hope that you will join us again next time as we examine Deep Midnight's voice. Hold on, let me do that again. Deep Midnight's voice. Balls. Balls.